Hey, if you're here for the first time, welcome to True North. We're glad that you're with us today and everyone else that called this place home. Welcome home. It's good to be in God's house. Amen? Hey, I really believe uh, that something special can happen in your life. Any time that, that, that a group of people who believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ gather together, which actually happens every Sunday. When we gather together, this is what the Bible says, that God inhabits the praises of his people. You know what I mean? What, what that word, what that actually means is, is that the presence of God is amongst us. And when that happens, something significant can transpire in your life. This is what I know about God. The moment you think you have him figured out is the moment that you realize how little you really know. And God has a, God has a desire. Let me tell you what his desire is. His desire is to reveal himself to you in a greater way. Some of you are familiar with religion. You're familiar with church. You're familiar with routine. God's not interested in that. God did not send. Listen, hear me now. I did not say that tradition has no place. What I'm saying is, is that God sent his son to bleed and to hang and to die on a cross so that you can walk in relationship with him. And it's in our pursuit of Jesus that we have a greater understanding of our own existence, our own purpose, our own calling in life. And so today, on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, I just believe with all my heart that God desires to speak to you, to speak to you in a practical way, in a way that is, that is familiar to you, in a way that you can receive it. And so I want to pray together. I want to pray that regardless of how you arrive today, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of the doctor's report, regardless of what's in the bank account, regardless of what, what is in your thoughts for your future, regardless of the turbulence of relationships in your family, I just believe with all my heart that God can do supernatural things in our lives. Do you believe that? Before we go to prayer, I just want to, I just want to update you a little bit with the, with the building. We are underway, and um, someone asked me the other day, they said, hey, well, I didn't know we're putting solar panels in. I said, oh, that's actually the roof, and uh, they're putting it and assembling it on the ground, and, and then they'll put the vertical poles up and pick the roof up and attach it that way, and do they normally do that? I don't know. I don't build buildings, and so, but that's how they're doing our building, and um, it'll be up. Um, we received a date, and I had reservations about telling the church this because you'll hold, my, hold me to it, but I'm just telling you that tentative, the, the, the key word here is tentative, okay, y'all? Just hear that. And the tentative date uh, to move in is in November this year, which we're very excited about. Very excited about that. Now, now, <laughs> now it may or may not be very snug when we get in, okay? Um, but it will suit us in this season. I'd rather have a house filled with people than a house, a house half empty. Somebody say amen. And so we're in a good season. God's doing great things, and uh, I'm grateful for you, and I'm grateful to the Lord. Pray with me this morning. Father, I thank you that you're with us today. I thank you regardless of our circumstance, regardless of our situation, regardless of what we think of you. You are faithful, and you're present here with us right now. And so God... Do something in our hearts. Do something that only you can do. May in the moments that we share, in the remaining 20-some minutes, 25 minutes that we have together, God, that you would do something that would change the trajectory of our lives forever. Be with us today. In your precious and holy name, we pray. A faith-filled church said, Amen. Amen. I want to start in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verse 1. This is what the word says. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were, 
wandering, wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And then the angels say this, Remember. Everybody say, Remember. This perpetual flaw in our humanity, this cause to always forget the good things of God. The angel says, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners and be crucified on the third day, or and be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Jesus is alive, and that's what we celebrate today. It's this exciting thing of what Christ has done. Now, let me be honest with many of you. For a young boy raised in church, then my parents were faithful to the Lord, faithful to one another, faithful to the Scriptures. They raised us well. But as a young boy, my, my connection to Easter and to Christmas were not found in the significance of the birth of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, even though that's what I was taught. I, I saw it as an exciting time because that's when we get all the candy and the presents. That was it. And the truth is, is that for all of us, this season has a lot attached to it, as many things attached to it. For many of you, you're, you're, you might have a casual relationship with the Lord, and the excitement around this time is not for the resurrection of Christ, but it is for the gathering together of family and friends. Now, I'm not coming at you and saying that you should not be excited to gather with family and friends. What I'm merely suggesting to you is that the resur resurrection of Christ should have a far greater and outweigh more than anything else in your life. It should be so personal to you there should be moments in your day, in your year, in your month, in your week where you just weep at the revelation of knowing that God sent his son to take your place and to bleed and to die on a cross for you. One of the fascinating things about serving God is this continual thing that we have as human beings is this ability, this strong ability to forget the good things that God has done in our life. And I love it because the angel comes to the scene. And, and, and it's interesting because angels do not, like, they don't shoot from the hip. So they go, I think I'm going to say this to the, to, the, to the women. No, no, no. They are messengers from the throne room of God. They bring and carry messages, messages of righteousness and life and hope. And they bring them. And here they bring this message to, this, to the women. Why do you seek for the, for the living among the dead? And then they pause for a moment. And they say, remember when? Some of you need to have the remember when moments. Remember when God never left you. Remember when God healed you. Remember when, when you had nothing and God says, I'm going to make something out of you. I'm going to do something in your life. Remember when you were lost and you were broken. Do you remember God's faithfulness to you so many years ago? Some of us need to, need to stir up the faith in our heart. Do you remember when you thought to yourself, I don't even need God. I got all I need. I got money in the bank. I got a house. My health is good. I don't need God. But how many of you know that God is faithful even when we're faithless? That God still loves us even when we think we don't need him. Amen? It's the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God that God is faithful. And there's something supernatural about this, this event. And for one of the things that I feel charged with is not only to equip those who are in Christ but to really stir the faith of the people of God to say, hey, 
I'm born for such a time as this. This is my season. This is what I'm called to do. I'm not waiting for my invitation. I'm not waiting for my tag of entitlement. I'm not waiting for my name tag to say I'm in charge. I've been commissioned by God to move mountains, to introduce people to Jesus, to disciple them, to walk by faith and not by sight. But I need you to, I need you to have this, this moment right now. Either this story is all fabricated and a lie, Think about it. It's either all a lie. Jesus was a lunatic. We all are just kidding ourselves. Or, or this is the most significant, most important event for each one of our lives today. Nothing is in between. It cannot be of moderate importance to us. Hey, so what do you do? Well, you know, I, I serve the creator of the universe, but let me tell you about my job. <laughs> it's like, now hold up. What is it? What is it? And I think this is the problem. It requires something of us. It does require us to pause and to think. I'm fascinated by the lack of thought put into the things of eternity. And I don't know if it's fear. I don't know if it's our inability to not have certainty of things. But can I tell you something? We can have certainty in Christ. I want to share with you some things this morning. Reasons the resurrection matters to you. Reasons the resurrection matters to you. The first is this. The resurrection is significant because it means that God has, has, has power over death. That he has defeated sin and death. In Romans chapter 6 verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God to all humanity is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For many of us, we don't recognize this and we don't see it this way, but God sends Christ to earth and he is the gift to humanity. And for many people, have you ever given someone a gift and, and they pretend like they're happy about it, but they don't really care? <laughs> oh, thank you. You know what I mean? It's like when you're 15 and your mom's still buying you underwear. You're like, thanks, Bob. Only person that does it. He's like, no, but you ever receive a gift and, and you just, it's, it's okay. It's all right. It's good. And you're just on to the next. On to the next. On to the next. There's one gift that when you really receive it and pause in the moment of what you actually hold in your hands, um, that you recognize no other gift that you receive will come close to the gift you receive in Christ. For many of us, we, we are so familiar with religion. We are so familiar with routine. We are so familiar with the failings of people in church ministry. We're so familiar with the brokenness of humanity. We're so familiar with all of those things, yet we are so far from walking with God. Can I tell you, that is his one desire, that you would do life with him. Every day when you wake up, every night before you close your eyes, that you would recognize who he is in your life. Easter is this significant moment. And it's a moment for all humanity to celebrate not just for a few. And I need you to know something. I hear this all the time when I invite people to church. I invite people to church and first of all, you know, if you invite people to church, you get the really bizarre look, especially if you're in New Jersey. It's like you just cussed at someone when you say, hey, I'd love for you to come to church. And they say, what? <laughs> and then you say church and then they repeat it back to you, church? And you say, yes, church. And the truth is, is you want to go into an explanation. It's not about the church. It's about Jesus. It's about who he is and what he did for you. But isn't it crazy that you can be so excited 
about a gift that you know they can receive, but they see no significance in the gift. <laughs> I say, no, and then I love this when people say, no, no, I'm glad it works for you. <laughs> As if the gift of God to all humanity in Christ Jesus was only to a select few. But he came that none should perish and that all would come to Christ in a relationship and walk with him on a daily basis. But yet some see it as religion and obligation, not as a free gift to all humanity. And my heart is for every one of you to understand that each one of you has to make a decision at one point in your life as to who and to what you will serve. The resurrection is significant because it means that God has power over death. And if, if Jesus has life after death. If he was raised to life, that means we too in Christ have life after death. The second thing is the resurrection is significant because it is the foundation of Christianity, the very foundation. In the building, the, in the construction process, they, they're, they're pouring the foundations now. And the foundations, I don't know how much you know about building, and I've been around construction my entire life, and I'm familiar with some things. And, but I was blown away uh, about the, the detail and the intentionality behind pouring the foundation of a building. Like slap some concrete in that hole and let's just move on, okay? Come on, pastor wants it done. But no, there's this detail in it. There's a detail with insulation and then the footings and then the piers and the walls and the rebar and the thickness and the spacing. And they have laser levels out there and everything. The amount of detail into the foundation. Why? Because everything will be built upon it. Everything. Everything will be built upon it. And can I tell you something? Whether you think foundations are important or not, they hold everything together or they break and everything falls. When I was in Kitch Church as a young boy, we used to sing this song, it was one of my favorites. And today, as a pastor, it's still one of my favorites. In Matthew chapter seven, verse 24 through 27, this is what the Lord declares. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? Everyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice, James, says, don't deceive yourselves and merely hear the words of God, but do what they say. Live it out, because it is in living it out that we identify or we recognize or we, we, we tell God, I am your child because I obey your word. Verse 25, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. As you continue to read through the word of God, you'll recognize that there are some representations or metaphors used for the Holy Spirit. One is rain. Rain is seen as a blessing from God, a blessing from heaven. Many times when I read this before, I'd always say, oh, that bad rain. I can't believe the rain, the rain and the streams and the wind. It's all bad things. But you know, sometimes rain is representation of a blessing in your life of monetary increase. And God, you could experience resource and money and success and fame. But if it is not on the right foundation, it will all fall. (laughs) What's the foundation of your life? What is the foundation of your life? The truth is, which I love this. 
I love this. You ever have to have a conversation with someone and they seem indifferent about the, the conversation, but the truth is it is of utmost importance to their life whether they seem to show interest in it or not. And it is the foundation by which you build your entire belief system upon. For many of you, you don't really want to think about it because it causes you angst and nervousness and you get fearful and you wonder and you don't have the answers to everything. So you just make yourself busy and go through your day only to wait until the next time that the, the, the pastor or the friend or the family member brings up, hey, what about eternity? And you're like, oh, well, um, you know I believe in God. <laughs> and so does the devil. So some of us need this revelation in this moment just to say, hold on, what is the foundation I'm building my life? Do you know every dream, every aspiration, every desire of your heart stands upon something? Stands upon something. What does it stand upon? What is it? Aspirations and dreams are great, but if they don't come from God, if they're not founded on a foundation in Christ, they will fail you. Put your hope and your trust in a foundation that will not move. That will always be there, no matter what happens in your life, no matter who forsakes you, no matter what happens to your resource or your career or your finances, put your hope, your hope, place your hope in Jesus Christ. It will never fail you. He is faithful. He is a solid rock, and our foundation should be built upon him. In this season of my life, I recognize some things. I recognize that we have the options to to be distracted and pursue whatever we want. It's the freedom Christ gives us. It's the autonomy he gives us. For true love to exist, one cannot be forced into loving someone else. Therefore, God gives us this autonomy to choose. He says, choose what you will. Do you need me? Yes, you do, but I'll let you choose. It's the goodness of God. It's true love. It's God offers it to all humanity and says, that this is who I am. My love for you is far, the, is far greater than you can even comprehend. But you choose. I'm trying to teach my kids the significance of these seasons, and it's so hard. <laughs> my, my kids are incredible. They're amazing. And um, Levi is two, and he's going to be three in May. He looks like he's six, but he's two. And, um, and, and he's awesome because he's finally showing the side of himself and it's just like this sweet like thank you dad the most random times throughout the day he'll come up to mom or dad and he'll look, look you right now and say i love you and i'm like oh son that's so sweet and then i'll like punch you and run i'm like no wait a second <laughs> you know oh, wait, wait, i'm gonna whoop you know so he was rolling or he was actually doing backflips on the bed the other night i think he was naked and he was just going crazy and like Levi, and you only have like one second to catch his attention, and then it's gone. So if it's not good, see ya. You know what I mean? And um, he might have inherited that from me. And, 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 and so he's on the bed, and he's going, I was like, son, son, son. So I had to grab his, his foot. I said, Levi. And he looked at me. I said, buddy, you're preaching tomorrow. And he went. And I said, I said what are you going to preach about? And he went, oh, um, God. I said, good. Well, what are you going to tell him? He died. And I said, okay. And I'm really thinking like, oh, come on. Come on. And I was like, and then what happened? And he's like, you could tell he's thinking so hard. He's thinking so hard. And he goes, he, he died. And I was like, okay, it's all right. Three times, third day. You're going to get this. Here we go. And then what happened? And he's like, he died. And I'm like, oh, geez, his sisters run in and they saved the day, you know. 
But he's been, he, no, Levi, he is alive. He was raised to life. He is alive. And Levi's like, okay. You know what I mean? He's still nervous about preaching. But <laughs> the other day, we, everyone was singing in the house. And when he gets into his, his, his song mode, he goes for it. And like, he don't care who's there. Like you walk in and be like, hey, most kids are like kind of, pat it down a little bit, do a little bit, which he'll do in any situation except for when he's singing. But the cutest thing about him is, is like, if you try to interrupt or sing along with him, that's not acceptable. <laughs> I'll start singing with him and he'll run over and go like this. He'll be like, shh, I'm singing. And he don't. So the other day he tells, he tells Eliza and I, he goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on the worship team. And I just said, Lord, please help him be able to sing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> There's nothing worse than someone who wants to sing who just can't. Trust me, I've seen it. It's bad, you know. But this is what I know is that we all are in the season of development. And we're all seeking and searching. You know, the craziest thing about it is, is that I realized that that moment when I surrendered my life to Jesus, for me, I was like, oh, I found it. Like, it's it. But if you talk to people who began their walk with Jesus 30 or 40 years ago, you know what the most incredible thing is, is there's this perpetual and continual, inexhaustible grace from God that continues to fill the hearts of his sons and daughters. It means that God continues to pour out revelation of who he is in your life. That you've never, you never become familiar with him to the point where you think you've seen it all. You've experienced it all. And so you hunger and thirst for more righteousness. You have a desire to see more of God, to be used by God. Anytime in society when someone says, I've been used by them, it's a negative connotation. Oh, but to be used by God, to be used by God, there is nothing greater than to be used by God. Without the resurrection, there is no Christianity as we know it. Without Christ being raised from the dead, there would be no forgiveness of sins. Without Easter, our faith would be useless, and so would my preaching. It would mean nothing if Christ did not raise from the grave. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, and if Christ had not been raised, our preaching is, in essence, useless, and so is our faith. Everything hinges on his resurrection. And I love it because Paul in Romans, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of it. For many of us, we walk timid in this world to kind of say, well, yeah, I believe in Jesus, and that's what I believe. Can I tell you something? Walk with confidence. Walk with conviction. Walk knowing that, man, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power unto salvation. It changes me. It does something to me. The Bible declares that it is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, it is the power of God unto salvation. There's something in the gospel that stirs the hearts of people of God, of the sons and the daughters of the king. Listen, this is not church. I'm not interested in doing church no more. I'm not interested in the same old, same old. I want God to do something radical in my life. I believe with all my heart. Listen to me. I believe that you're called for such a time as this. It's not about your job. It's not about your career. It's not even about your dreams. You know what God says when he says, follow me? Let your dreams die. That's when he says, let them die. And he's like, oh, that's terrible. No, it's not. Because the truth is, is he knows the deepest desires of your heart. And the truth is, is you don't even really know how to make them come to pass. But he does. 
And when you surrender and die to yourself, then God births something into your spirit. And when you really continue to serve him and follow him, man, that begins to come to life. And you'll find yourself saying, man, I never thought I'd be doing this. I never thought I'd be here. But I feel like I was created and made for this. Do you know what that means? That's why the Apostle Paul, he says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Do you know what he's saying? All my accolades, all my finance, all my resources, everything I've attained in life, I count it as nothing. Count it as nothing. Either he is a crazy man or he knows something that I want to know. He knows something of what Christ did, paying the penalty of sin for each one of us on the cross. The resurrection is personal. It's significant to us. The resurrection is significant because it means that there is life beyond the grave. There is life beyond the grave. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. Hear me now. And to die is to gain. My God, I, I want to have that conviction in my soul. For me to live is Christ, and to die is to gain. It's as if Paul had this ability to recognize that everything that I pursue in this life, it, it is not on the foundation of Christ. It is worthless. It will pass away. It will be burned. It will cease to exist. But his word will remain forever. Over the past several weeks, really within like a month's time, I had the opportunity and the privilege to celebrate my two grandmothers going to be with the Lord. And can I tell you, though, we mourned the, their, their passing and shed tears for the memories that we shared with them, there is this deep-rooted conviction in our spirit that we know they to be absent in the body is to be present with God. And to know that and to have that, that is the hope. That's the hope we have in Christ. What a, dreadful thing to stand at a funeral and not know if someone had placed their hope in Christ. To know that you have the opportunity to place your hope in Jesus Christ and to surrender your life knowing with certainty, not wondering if, but knowing with certainty that I've placed my hope in Jesus Christ. I've surrendered my life to him. I've asked that he forgive me of my sins. And the Bible says that God's faithful to forgive those who ask him to. And so to know that and to receive him as Lord and Savior is a game changer. It changes everything. The resurrection is so significant because it proves that our God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I don't care what religion you compare Christianity to. Every person who founded it, everyone who led it is in the grave. Every one of them. But our God is alive. And he's defeated sin and death and the sickness that we walk in. He's defeated it all. The resurrection is significant because it displays to us the love God has for us. 1 John 3 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Do you know when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, some of you might recall this, he began to weep and to cry, and tears of blood, the scriptures record, dripped from his face, and he was in incredible turmoil. And he said this prayer to God, the Father. He says, God, if there's another way, if there's another way, um, can we consider that? And then this famous line that will exist through all eternity. He says, not my will, but your will be done. This act of willingness and surrender 
to do and to be obedient to the Father. Can I tell you, I believe in his, all this agony. I mean, you can watch the passion. You can read in the scriptures the torture of crucifixion and what Jesus underwent. It's hard to even contemplate, let alone view and watch. And to realize that the significance of that punishment was because of the severity of my sin. The significance of that torture was because of the significance of my sin. And he took my place, even when I didn't believe him, even when I didn't think I needed him, even when I said I don't need to believe in God, even when I said I don't even need to trust in God, even when I thought I had everything figured out, he took the punishment of your sin and went to the cross. And in that moment, when Jesus pleaded with his father, I believe more than anything else that the greatest pain that he experienced was the thought of being separated from God. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's an eternal God. He's never begun. He has always existed. And in that moment of time, Jesus recognized that when I go to the cross, the Word of God says that He became sin for you and I. He carried the sin of all humanity. He would be the final atonement for sin, the sacrificial Lamb of God. He would go to the cross and He would take the punishment of all humanity and pay for the penalty of all sin, justifying each one of us, redeeming each one of us back so that we could be called children of God, no longer obstructed by sin, but it's in that moment that Jesus realized that I will be forsaken by God. God would turn his back. And that's why scripture declares to you and I that when we are in Christ Jesus, he promises to never leave us nor forsake us. And the reason he can declare and make such promise to us is because he has already forsaken Jesus and he will never forsake you because Jesus took your place. And as we gather and celebrate today, may it be a moment of celebration, but may it be a moment that we look back and we recall not only the faithfulness of God, but the willingness of his son to go to the cross for you and I. And in his victory over sin and death, that you and I have the privilege to be referred to as heirs to the throne of God that we can be called children of God, sons and daughters of the King, highly favored, chosen, and set apart. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. All of this, are, all of those things are promises of God to his sons and his daughters. And so you're here today. And this is the question, what do you do with Jesus? What do you do with them? It cannot be of moderate importance to you. Who is Jesus to you today? Some of you say, stop asking me. No, what will you do? Because listen, if you don't do something with him today, you will stand before, before God someday. Yeah. And my prayer for you would be that you would confront the reality that there is life after death and that you would prepare and you would understand that you have a creator who loves you tremendously, who paid the price that you could never pay, who's taken your place. And some of you may be, may be hearing this for the first time and asking yourself, well, how do I receive salvation? How do I ask Jesus into my heart? How do I become a child of God? The Bible is clear. In Ephesians 2.8, it says that we receive salvation by grace through faith. By grace. If you get around some people in church, they'll, think, they'll try to tell you it's by faith. But it's not by faith. It's by grace through faith. You know what that means? It means that it is a gift that we don't deserve, but we must receive. It's acting and recognizing that it's a gift from God, that we actually say, no, God, I, I know I'm not perfect. Forgive me of my sins. And the Bible says that God's faithful to forgive. Don't listen. Don't believe this, this, this garbage that you need to go get yourself in order. God says, come as you are. 
The dysfunction in your, fam in your family and in your life is because of the absence of God. You can't fix it on your own. You need Him in your life, navigating and directing and, and healing and mending the brokenness that was caused by sin. Can I tell you, God has good days before you. And it's in Christ that all of us can proclaim that our best days are still ahead of us. Amen? <laughs> Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, hear me now, no one comes to the Father except through me. I'm going to ask you in a moment if you want to surrender your life to Jesus. And I just want to be clear about this, and I feel like God continually stirs my heart. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm asking you right now. I'm asking you if you're ready to say to you all of your dreams and your aspirations, and you're ready to say, them, I'm willing that they die so I can surrender my life to Jesus. Do you know what that means? It means that you trust God more than you trust yourself. That you trust God that he's going to provide a way when it seems like there's no way. That you trust God that when you lay down your dreams, he'll give you dreams that you never thought imaginable would happen in your life. And the Bible says that we receive it by grace. Grace means getting what we don't deserve. Romans chapter 10 verse 9, it says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. I want to pray with you. It's a simple prayer, but it's a significant one. When you say this prayer, everything may seem the same. But the truth is, the Bible says your spirit is alive in Christ. The same power that raised Christ from the grave lives inside of you. Can I tell you the importance after you make this decision to be planted in the local church? Psalm 92, 13 says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. Do you know why? Because you weren't made to do life alone. You weren't made to just be a lone ranger in the kingdom of God. You're meant to be in relationship and community with other people. Does that mean that everyone in here is, is, is perfect? Far from it. We're a family of broken people, of imperfect people, serving and pursuing a perfect God. And I know that there is a place for you here if you don't have a spiritual family to call home. Let me pray with you right now. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Hey, thanks for watching. I pray that that message was a blessing to you. And I pray it's encouraged you um, wherever you find yourself in your journey of life. We never like to end any one of our services without giving you um, the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised to life, that you will be saved. And salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work towards it. It can only be received it's this incredible grace that comes only from God. So the Bible says that right where you are in your season, not trying to fix anything else, not trying to get yourself better, not waiting or putting off salvation, but today to make the decision to say yes to Jesus, that you know you can't save you, that you need Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says it only requires you to say a simple prayer. So repeat after me, just say this prayer. Say, dear, dear Jesus, Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again. Come into my life and make me new. I'm now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you just said that prayer, we believe that your eternity is 
secure in Christ. One of the things that I want to encourage you to do, your next step, if you would, um, is to tell somebody, whether you're telling us through the website and contacting us and informing us or telling someone else at a local church that maybe you visited. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is to be planted in a healthy Bible-based church, whether it's True North Church or another church close to you. Find a church community to do life with. Man, we're so excited for you. Make sure that you get a Bible. If you don't have one, please reach out to us. We'd love to bless you with the Bible and encourage you on your journey with Jesus. I'm excited for you. I truly believe that your best days are still ahead.